This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Adi Kar, where we're dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our teachings, our guest speakers, basically anything we think worth hearing that we can capture and stream, you can listen to right here. The whole Megillah. I mean, literally the whole Megillah. So thank you so much for being with us. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, that great 70s disco track is uh, is our theme for the night. Um, shame. Shame. And in particular, um, you know, I, I've been um, we're, we're, we're thinking about ethics in this uh, series. Uh, that's uh, that's something that we do during this time period um, between Passover and Shavuot. We talked about this last week. We study ethics or derech eretz, the way of the world, um, because we're preparing to receive revelation um, on Shavuot. And the idea is first we have to get right with everyone around us. First we have to get right with the world before we get right with God. First we get have to get right with our fellow human beings. And um, and so we turn to the great volume of ethics um, that the rabbis um, left us, Masechet uh, Avot, Pirkei Avot, the chapters um, of, of, our, of our fathers, of our rabbis, of our ancestors, but really the chapters of ethics. And um, there's a lot in there. Every, every week uh, we focus on one chapter. This is the third, this is our second class, but we did one and two last time. So this is the third week of the cycle and we're on the third chapter and I would say it doesn't all fit under the category of of ethics at least not as I just described it and some of them really are very very much religious uh, precepts or um, or just sort of exhortations to focus on Torah and Torah study so it's rabbinic ethics which is not exactly parallel to the way that we use the term in in modern philosophy or even just the way we use the term in common speech, which means more the, the way we treat each other, the, the, the right and wrong of, of, of social behavior. And that's really um, where we're gonna keep focusing in, in, in this series. Um, so I'm moving through this week's chapter, which has, has some religious exhortation and has some strange kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, there's thoughts on the, on the tithes and the, and there's um, there's there's all kinds of intricate uh, uh, doesn't seem very like way of the world kind of material. But then I come across this topic in this week's chapter, which feels not just like a, a topic of 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 ethics, but a top of topic of contemporary ethics, a topic that is very much of the moment. And that is public shaming, public shaming. That's a term I think you can feel as I say it that. We have heard a lot in the in the cultural conversation in recent years. Public shaming is, of course, not new. Um, we know the, the the image of the pillory, right? The stocks that um, uh, I associate it with um, early colonial America and the sort of Puritan punishment for uh, for someone. Uh, one of the punishments was to was to put them in the pillory, into like to put their head and and arms in a in a locked stock so that everybody could see their disgrace and they would do so in the public square. But that there's there are all kinds of traditions of public punishment, public shaming, where the punishment 
seems at least in part um, pr precisely that it is done in public, that, that everybody is able to witness. Um, there's a scene uh, that I'm thinking of from Game of Thrones, right, that where the queen was made to walk naked through the streets while everybody spit on her. Right. So that that kind of public shaming is well established um, in history. And then there are versions of it that we associate with uh, um, also um, lots of historical examples, but that we associate with uh, with school, with a classroom, right? The dunce cap or, you know, standing in front of the class, writing your name on the board, you know, or writing something on the board a hundred times. Um, some way of, of uh, what is, what is the, the point of all of this is, is to either take revenge or to, 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 to push someone towards better behavior by putting their, their disgrace out in the public. Okay, so this is well-established human phenomenon. Whether it's good or not, we'll just talk about it in the next hour. But there is something about it that feels, as I said, very, um, very of the moment, very revived um, in recent years. And I think a lot of that is because we have a new public square, right? The, 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 the world, the, the, the other world, the world online is another public sphere. In fact, we tend to think of it as the public sphere. The public conversations happen there on the computer. And this is a place um, where, first of all, we can do a lot of shaming, right? People can re really pile on to anything that they see and comments and, um, you know, you know, you know, dislikes and, you know, um, sharing embarrassing memes and videos going viral, all of that. And, and that is to say, it's a place where we can do public shaming. It's also a place where one can very quickly be one shameful thing can very quickly become public, right? Accidentally become public, as in the case of I don't know Jeffrey Tubin or you know things that happen online and someone's caught, and it's a shameful it's a shameful thing. And here's the here's the here's the the issue, or here's the way that it that it is um, sometimes. Um, processed or churned through or referenced in our in our cultural conversation, which is that there there seems to be something about it that we we relish in as a culture. And I'm not saying you or me or but we somehow our culture seems to manifest some kind of um, hunger for public shaming, and and at the same time um, there are, there are, there are those voices of critique that are saying no this is a bad thing this is getting out of control. I mean TMZ is an entire channel. Right, devoted to, to public shaming. Um, but there's all kinds of, um, you, there are all kinds of reference points. There's, you know, we think of cancel culture as, as, as an attempt to direct shame towards someone. Or, um, um, I mean, just to make my point, if, if having an entry in Wikipedia is, is, is having a certain kind of existence in the world, I found a, a full entry for public humiliation, which, which does some of the historical um, uh, recording of 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 these uh, th this sort of phenomenon, and then another whole Wikipedia page for online shaming, right? And there are various categories. Revenge porn is another category. Putting um, someone trying to shame their former partner by 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 or or maybe not their former partner, but having pictures of someone naked and putting that in the public to to shame them, to take them down. I think a recent uh, uh, a, 
uh, uh, member of Congress was what like resigned in disgrace after 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 such a thing. But but nevertheless, even as she was resigning um, amidst all the controversies, he said, "I have been I've been the victim here. I mean those." Those pictures were my private business, and this person's put them in the public, and now I, you know, I can't get away from it. But it, you know, that wasn't wrong that I took pictures of myself naked, right? So, so this is the sort of the landscape of of the conversation today. And the other thing that I that I sort of found as I as I kind of Googled around and tried to like read up a little bit before this class is that a lot of the conversations in the last couple of years around public shaming um, um, have been linked to the pandemic and people criticizing each other's behavior uh, on both sides, but often um, the people who have been the spreaders have been, um, have been the targets of, of public shaming. And, and I say that uh, meaning to kick up the question early on in class that we should, it's very easy to um, to disparage public shaming, to critique it, to condemn it, but we might also ask whether there is a positive use for public shaming, whether this actually has a function. And one of the functions of public shaming is holding people accountable, either you know in that in that pandemic conversation in a kind of a in a in a in a, a larger group social control way, or. Um, in, in the case of someone who, you know, is a, is a public figure who has committed some great transgression, I think of me, the Me Too um, transgressions, and, um, and it's public shame that, 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 that seemed to be the only mechanism that could take them down from their, from their post. And in, that, and in that sense, we might wonder whether public shaming has a, an important function in society. Okay, so we're going to discuss this. We're going to talk about the, the ethics of, of public shaming and um, obviously, it's always the case that in an hour we won't do full justice to to a topic this um, this important and this kind of wide reaching. But we're going to look at least grounded in some um, in some Jewish language and the history of the of the Jewish conver the rabbinic conversation around this. Okay, so let's get started. We'll make a little blessing um, just to bring some some holiness into our into our learning. And if I forget to say so at the end of class, last night we counted the 23rd day of the Omer. Um, I don't know that it'll be dark by the end of our class, but when it is dark, um, we'll count the next the next day. Okay. Um, so a blessing uh, over Torah study. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kidshanu b'mitzvotah v'tzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Thanking God for allowing us to have a space where we can talk about important things in a serious way. Okay, um, first of all, shame, shame is a form of damage in Jewish law, in Jewish tort law, boshet it's called, and it, there are various forms of damage that one can do to another, but humiliation or shame is one of them, and it's something that you might have to pay for, okay, so Judaism recognizes um, uh, boshet as a category. However, I want to just name right away that we just read this this past week. is also a Jewish concept. You must rebuke your 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 um, your neighbor if they've done something wrong, right? So tochacha rebuke is also a Jewish value. So just to say that um, that shaming is a form of damage 
doesn't mean to say that you can't ever say anything wrong about anyone. Okay, so we'll keep that asterisk in mind. Um, that's it. That's in the realm of Jewish law. But our um, our topic uh, in this series is not law, but ethics. And in the realm of Jewish ethics, and and more to the point, in the Jewish lexicon, right? In the in in there there is a term for uh, specifically for the act of public shaming. And the term is, and we'll look at it now, hamalbin et pnei chavero berabin. One who whitens the face of his friend or of their friend in the public, okay? Whitens the face of their friend in public. Let's now go into the Mishnah, the, the um, the Mishnah here in our chapter, and look at the first appearance of that phrase, which becomes, this is like a, just a good phrase to walk away with and to know, someone who whitens their friend's face. Now, what does that mean? There's a, um, there's a source sheet for you all. And here is the first appearance of it in chapter three of Pirkei Avot. And it's a teaching from Rabbi Elazar of Hamodai, which means he lived in, in the city of Modin. Right, which is which is still a city in 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 Israel. Okay, Rabbi Elazar Hamodai Omer, he said, and now he's going to give us a list, and we're going to only look at the bolded thing, but of course we want to know the context, so we're going to look at the whole the whole Mishnah, whole teaching. one who profanes sacred things. Um, and one who disparages the festivals disgraces or disparages the festivals. And here's the phrase, and one who whitens the face of their friend in public. And one who undoes the covenant of our father Abraham, may he rest in peace. And one who displays faces of the Torah that are contrary to the law, all of those things, even though this person may have Torah and good deeds, they have no share in the world to come. Okay, that's, we'll get back to that. That's quite serious. So that's a quite a serious uh, a consequence that Rabbi Elazar is suggesting. They have no share in the world to come. We don't really know what the world to come means. <laughs> But it's, but it's, it's, I don't know if it's heaven or the great beyond or the revival of the dead, but it's, it's the other world. It's the world that will be, it's having a share in the world to come. Um, another Mishnah says, everyone has a share in the world to come. Okay. But these people don't. Okay. So first of all, the phrase, one who whitens the face of their friend in public. Now that, of, that, of course, it should just, you know, hasten to say because of um, because of the, the way that that words like that ring in our our modern ear. This has this has this is not a, a racial connotation in any in any way. That I hope is obvious. Um, this is about um, going white, going pale. Someone who 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 shocks their friend, shames them in again. Um, the this is the idiom, but the meaning of it is someone who who embarrasses their friend or their fellow Haver in public Barabim and they go white. That's one of the things that Rabbi Elazar says 
um, um, takes away your share in the world to come. Basically, like, I don't know, you know, imagine like that person doesn't go to heaven. I mean, that's not really exactly right. But like, it's like, that's it. You're you're done for. And you're done for even if you have all kinds of other good deeds under your belt. Okay, so that's the seriousness of it. Okay, we're going to take we're going to go layer by layer and try to understand what this means. What does it mean? So first of all, I think actually, before we look at the words themselves, and, and we should think about why did they choose that phrase, whitening the face of some of the friend in public? Let's just look at the list for a second. What are these things that are on the list? Just so we can like try to try to think a little bit about the context here. So one who profanes sacred things, that sounds like a general, um, a general bad move, but it's not, it's very specific. Sacred things, meaning things that are associated with the temple, things that are sanctified, and you've made them, you've, you've made them impure or treated them casually. So let's say you, I don't know, you found like some of the, some of the poles of the tabernacle or, or, or the, or the, the, the food of the priest or something like that. And you just sort of, ah, this is stupid. This is stupid. Look at this. I'm playing with it. And you, 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 you make it unholy either by making it impure or just by disrespecting it. And speaking of disrespecting, um, someone who, who disparages the festivals. Now, what that means is not exactly clear. Um, some commentators say that it's, it's just someone who doesn't take the holiday seriously. In other words, maybe they take Shabbat seriously, but like, ah, who cares about Shavuot? You know, that's not a real holiday. Or other commentators say um, it's about um, the Moed very specifically in, in, in rabbinic language is the period in the middle. This actually probably makes more sense in the rabbinic context. It's the period in between the two festival days of Passover and Shavuot. These are week-long festivals. And in the middle, you're not obligated to um, all of the strictures of holiday observance, but you shouldn't treat it like it's a regular weekday. Okay, you treat it like it's a holiday. You don't just sort of like celebrate Passover and then go to work and just forget about it until the end of Passover, you come back. You have to treat the whole, okay. So that's, that's, a, that's another event. Okay, and then um, also on the list, uh, the the whitening of their the public shaming basically, and one who undoes the covenant of our father Abraham. Now, also a little bit of debate over that. Where um, Maimonides, for example, says, "Oh, this is a person who doesn't get circumcised or doesn't circumcise their children." But uh, Rabbeinu Yonah says, and I think this is actually I, I, I this seems like what's what Rabbeinu Yonah says is like someone who, who, who tries to cover their circumcision up or tries to grow back their circumcision, right? Um, we have Josephus actually recording that that was something that people did in the time of like the Greek gymnasium when people were trying to not look Jewish. So someone who's ashamed of their, of their circumcision, of their... Um, now, of course, Brito Shel Avram Avinu could mean just, again, it could be some, something broad, um, but because some of these other things are very specific, so most of the commentators read this specifically to the, the covenant, the word for covenant is brit, so like a bris. Okay, so take that as you will. Um, and then finally, and this is maybe the most interesting one, one who displays faces of the Torah that are contrary to the law. Now, this is interesting, uh, both because 
it also has the word of face in it, right? So as we're starting to think about faces, there's a little bit of a parallel here. But it's interesting because the like, it seems like such a the 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 accusation there is that they teach Torah and they make it seem like this is true, even though that's contrary to our practice. So they know Torah and they teach it and they they display like they they teach it in a way that makes it seem like uh, it, it is something other than what we I don't know the rabbis or we the community the historical community that observes know it to be. Okay, so. Uh, without getting any further lost in detail, let me just stop there and say, okay, so what do these things have in common? What does public shaming have to do with any of these other kinds of, these forms of, of disparaging, disgracing, disrespecting? What, what's, what's going on here? What is it that Rabbi Elazar Ahmadai is, is concerned with? So maybe we can start there. Anyone have any thoughts on that? What is this list? Okay, going once. Hmm. Matt Silverstein. Um, okay, since so I, I, I almost see two doublets here. Let me bring that up um, in, front of, in front of me a second. Um, because what I see is this profane sacred things relates to the festivals. Now you gave them the specific, but it seems to me that these are big things and actions. And then the whitens the face and undoes the covenant are physical. Mm. They are reactions physically to the person involved. Mm -hmm. And as seems to be happening more and more, I don't know where to go with this. I, I pointing this out, I'm saying it, I think it's interesting and maybe intentional, but I don't know what they're saying with Okay, that. I hear something really valuable in, in what, so Matt is doing us all a favor by just out loud beginning to explore. Um, so uh, I think uh, just as he explores, I think uh, right away uh, he trips uh, up uh, some, some, some important uh, point of consideration, which is that these, as, as Matt said, these are big things. The, the festival, this is a big deal. And you're treating it like nothing, right? The holy things, circumcision, the sign of the covenant, these are big, that, that, that you, you divide it into a different category, but your language of, these are big, important things and you're just treating it like nothing. So that's one of the ways that we might think about this list. Someone who, who shames someone in public takes a big deal which is a person's dignity and just craps right all over it. Who cares? Okay, just drags them through the mud. So that's one of the things we're seeing here is just someone who takes things that matter and treats them like they don't matter. Okay, um, Payam. The list of narcissism. It's a list in which putting the individual above the group where the person is saying, I'm better than all of you. And all the, that's what they have in common, this list. Mm. Mm. Great, great. The person doing this thinks that they are at some, a, a, a narcissist says Pyam, thinks they, they have, they are, are the arbiter and they dictate what is good and bad. They do whatever they want. They're not concerned with anything or anybody else. They are a narcissist. 
Okay, so that's part of what we're attacking here is the person who just doesn't care about anything but themselves. This is what I think, this is what I want, this is how I feel, this is what I care to say at the moment. Okay, um, Leah Matsui. Aren't we exhorted otherwise uh, in other places that you shall be holy because I am holy? So sacred things, sacred festivals, the Torah, the covenant are holy things and holy things also includes us. Um, so we're not allowed to stomp on that, particularly publicly. Okay, great. I like the work that it's, it's like, uh, Leah's doing some sophisticated textual work there um, by picking up on, on that first phrasing, someone who, who profanes the holy, right? Mechalala et kadoshim, right? And remembers that, again, this last week's Parsha was kadoshim, right? Be you be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So God is holy. Now, what does that mean? I don't, we don't know, but we are trying to be godlike. And God is holy and God imbues other things with holiness and God's temple is holy and God's festivals are holy and God's people are holy. Human beings are holy. And um, you, you are, dis you're, you're, you're disgracing, you're profaning holy things, which means that on some level, all of these things are also an affront to God. You're, you're just sort of, you're, you're crapping on, on God. Right? not just another human being or another thing. All of these things are holy things and you're just taking it down, saying that it doesn't matter. And a person's um, status or dignity in the public sphere, that's a holy thing, right? A person's bearing in, in the eyes of others, that's a holy thing and you're just knocking it down. Okay, all right. All right, let's take one more uh, comment and then I wanna, and then I wanna ask a, a little bit of a different question. So Florine. Two points. I see uh, humiliation in public, as a, what I've always been taught in Judaism, as a murder of, of the soul. We have no right to do that. Okay, that's right. What Florina said, the humiliation in public is a murder of the soul. We'll be heading there, so I'm going to press pause on that thought, but we're going to come back to it. And what was the second thing, Florina? part is I think there's a difference between shaming and trying to ferret out information um, when you are with a politician that you don't agree with there's a way to ask a question to get information without shame quote unquote shaming and I think people need get more information if they do it that way okay good 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 that's Thanks for that important comment, because we do have to begin, I, I want us to think about this language. The th what is the thing that is being condemned here of whitening one's, phrase, one's friend's face in public? Let's think about that precise wording and let's do so um, as Florine helps us to do by thinking about um, uh, cases of important public commentary or speech, right? Like uh, Florine was saying, getting information. So an interview or um, an interrogation uh, in, in, the, in the court, certainly judges would interrogate the witnesses and they might say things that were shameful to them. That's 
certainly an example of, of acceptable, I mean, it's mandated by law. So it's acceptable public um, revealing of some of, of information that may, may be shameful to someone. So that's okay. And we've also, um, I mean, I think what Florine was saying is a politician because it isn't just in a, in a, in a, in a trial context, but also perhaps someone in a position of great power like the only way to discourse with them will be in public and maybe they they're as they make public proclamations they have to be publicly responded to and if they have been corrupt in their dealings that that's a matter of the public so surely there are many cases of public um investigation and exploration and even verbalization of someone's behavior that are acceptable um and even mandated by law so what is this and, and, and in asking that question, let's ask specifically what they're talking about. Whitening some, making someone go, go pale in, in and, and it's, what, what's a real, what are all the, the, the particular words here? Someone's friend, right? I saw someone uh, say in the chat. So does it, does that matter? That is, 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 is it important that you've, you've turned your back on your own friend? Now friend doesn't always mean my buddy in ancient Hebrew. But there's some kind of connection. The word itself implies connection. And then also like the, the word barabim is important in the public, in the public square amongst others. So could you, you know, I said, you must rebuke your, 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 your fellow. Well, maybe that's okay, but you have to do so in private or you have to do so in the courtroom or you have to do so in a particular context, but you just do it in the market. Like, aha, look at David, his hair looks stupid today, right? Or, aha, I know something about David that's gonna make him, he is, you know, like whatever, <laughs> I'm gonna give examples. Uh, <laughs> lest I publicly shame myself and then therefore lose my, my share in the world to come. I mean, you know, you know can you do it to yourself? Is that okay? Is it is is the, what's the action here where you shouldn't whiten the face of your friend in the public? Okay, let's think about that wording a little bit. Ariella, can I come to you? Can you respond to this? Yes, I think it has to do with how we treat others and the respect that that we have for others and that we shouldn't say or do something that will cause some cause the other people around to have a to look badly upon somebody Okay, okay, that's interesting. The last thing you said, especially Ariella. Okay, so it's certainly about respecting someone and about treating them, you know, you could fill in a bunch of stand well, kindly, with compassion, with dignity, with respect, etc. So that surely, but the other thing that you said is uh, you shouldn't do something almost the way you phrase it is with the express purpose. The purpose of it is that other people see you doing it. That's what you're doing. You're like, look, everybody, look, 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 look at this shameful thing. Look at this 
So that's very different than, than rebuke, where the purpose of it is, hey, stop doing that behavior. If the purpose of it is, is everybody come see, everybody come see, then there's some, that's part of what's, what's problematic about this, this action. Kathy Kobayashi? Um, yeah, I guess I have a question, really. It, it seems to me it's, an, it's a kind of a slippery, um, you know, sort of mandate, partly because it's saying don't do something that's going to elicit a certain response from this other person. And, um, you know, I imagine that there are different things. It's not just, oh, this kind of information or this kind of accusation, but it's saying, um, you know, the, the, the other person's face shouldn't whiten. But clearly there are people who are not particularly ashamed of certain things and other people would just be, you know, feel humiliated, you know, and there are some people, you know, people have very different ideas of, 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 you know, what, what they're ashamed of, I guess that's what I'm, and that's a, that's a, that's a really fascinating observation. And I, I've never really thought about it in this context before that it, this, it may depend on the person that you're talking to. And, you know, um, you know, friends that can take a joke and friends that can't take a joke, but more than that, friends that like, you could like, they'll, you can say any, it's part of your discourse. You just rip each other apart and that's, and it's all okay. But then other people that are more timid or just don't like that or very, and what Kathy's wondering is, is whether you really have to think about what will embarrass this person. I have to, and it's my friend after all. So there's, so first of all, that requires a certain kind of evaluation. Can this person handle what I'm going to say? But also the, the, it implies that perhaps the crime is precisely taking that thing which you know that person doesn't want in the public. I, that's my friend and I know that, that he's embarrassed about his health issues or, or his, his family issues or his job, you know, how his, you know, the thing that shames that person, I'm gonna use that to take them down, right? And another person perhaps wouldn't, so, I, so we're wondering here, but after all, it's almost a poetic phrase. So we can wonder, is there a kind of um, subjective standard to what it means? Because after all, what we're talking about is whether that person goes, goes, goes pale. Right. Okay. Um, who did I just, I just saw, um, was it Alexandra? Okay. Okay. No. Okay. Um, here's what I want to do. I want to push this forward just a little bit and, um, and look at, I, this is good work that we've done so far in thinking just about the phrase and the potential implications and this list that it's on, which you know, I think Matt was off to the, to, to off on the on the right track from the start when when he suggested that this is like these are really important things, big things, sacred things, as Leah said, holy things, and there's something about just like disrespecting them. And the word I would add to that is is mocking them, mocking them. Someone who who disparages, makes fun of. And I do think we have to think, especially in our contemporary conversation, um, how part of this is, 
it's not just that you did it to be mean, but you, but so much of it today and the sharing of videos and it's to be entertained, to make fun of, to be, to be, to have a good time at someone else's expense. Okay. So that's part of it as well. Okay. Good. Okay. This is a good first pass. Um, oh, Alexander, do you in fact want to jump in? Yes, please. Hi, thank you. Um, having tech issues. It makes me think of that scene in, that you taught a couple of weeks ago in uh, Parsha class where Noah's son is so cursed for, um, for seeing, I forget the exact phrase, but revealing his father's nakedness or whatever the translation mm. is. Mm. And, and I think what was, and I think the class did talk about the sum, but I don't know if it, we went all the way in this direction. So forgive me if we did, but I think that has to, the reason he was so cursed by his father was because he, he, he sought, he took it as an opportunity to publicly shame rather than sought this situation to like protect his reputation. And I think that that is something I wish as a society, we saw, we, we so value like being stewards of the environment and that's wonderful. And I just wish we also valued being stewards of each other's reputations to the same extent. And that we had this, that like our culture and many of us just do that as people, like we try to do that, but I don't know that it's talked about as much as I would, I really wish it was. And I'm, I'm so grateful for this class. And this idea of that when we don't, when, when we don't actively look to be stewards of someone's reputation, then we can so easily turn anything into a public shame intended or otherwise. And maybe as Jews, we should really try to look at everything as an opportunity to be stewards of each other's reputations. Great, 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 great. Thank you for that. That's important language also to enter into our conversation. The, the idea of reputation, because it, it, that language evokes, and again, we're in a legal realm in Jewish uh, uh, law and in, 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 in modern society, um, uh, 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 in thinking about libel and, um, and the way the, the, the line between gossip and, and something criminal, which actually def defames a person, actually like takes a person's reputation, which is, and part of the reason this becomes a crime is because the, a person's reputation is their ability to move through the world, sometimes to, to, to make a living in the world. Right, and and so these are crimes. You know, I, I must say, in the Jewish context, it's very it's very tricky because the the same like the same place in the Torah. Again, this is just last week where it says lo telech rachil ba'amecha. Don't go around spreading rumors about your people. In other words, rachilis, um, uh, slander, gossip spreading false, false, falsehoods, but also just gossip, which is true, true, truths, but spread, you know, all of this, don't do that. And then the next line, it says, rebu rebuke your fellow when necessary. So there's this really delicate line um, between 
preserving someone's reputation because that matters. And you have to think about someone's reputation that's a valuable, uh, that's a valuable entity in their lives and in society, and you can't just tear it down. But on the other hand, you know, that's not absolute. It's not, it's not like you always have to have to build up someone's reputation. What if, what if they, what if they're a criminal? Right? Okay. All right. So I'm going to take this a step forward. So good work so far on just the phrase, Malbin someone who whitens their friend's face in public. We're really going to see uh, 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 like the, 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 very, the very visual language of that Im imagery being played with here. In the second great utterance of that phrase, which comes in the Talmud, um, and here the Talmud takes things a step further. So, and this is where Florine was going earlier when she said that, 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 that it's like, it's like killing someone's soul. Um, but the Talmud is, is more literal than that even, right? The same spirit, but, but takes it quite literally. A te the teacher got up, the Tana, that's the teacher of the, the early teachers of the Mishnah, got up before Rabbi Nachman Bar Yitzchak and taught one, here's that phrase again, one who whitens the face of their friend in public, it is as if they were spilling blood. Shofech damim. Now that's, that's not just poetic phrasing. We were, that, that is the term for murder in rabbinic law. Spilling blood, murder. So one who whitens the face of their friend is killing them, is murdering them. Now that's, 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 very, that's very bold and it can't possibly be actually true. So what does he mean? And yet, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak seems to think, no, it is true. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak said to him, um, Shapir Kamakta, you, you, you have spoken correctly, actually. This isn't just a, like a, 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 a flourish, a homiletical flourish. You've spoken correctly as we see that the red leaves his face and pallor comes, right? Paleness, whiteness comes, right? So you are spilling blood. You're spilling the blood out of his face. There's almost a suggestion that you really are, are, are damaging his health. And here's um, one of the classic commentaries on the Talmud, the Tosafot, um, that just to see, just to show you just how seriously they're taking this, the red leaves and pallor comes, the face reddens at first. Now, you might have expected the phrase to be one who reddens the face of, of his friend in public, but Tosafot is... is kind of taking into account. So the face reddens at first because the blood gathers together before it rushes out. Okay, so there you have it. It's like the Talmud is saying, not only is it a, a terrible thing to do, not only do you lose your share in the world to come, but you're like a murderer. You're like a murderer. And the very next line in the time, it seems like, wow, that's, that's, that's quite a strong statement. The very next um, speaker in the Talmud says, no, you really are literally like a murderer because there's something that you do to that person that hits them so hard that something physical happens to them. They lose their blood. And so you're, you know, you're not really killing them, but you're, that's one step towards it, right? So let's just take that seriously for a second. I mean, what, what do they mean that shape, shaming someone in public is like killing them? It's like killing them. And I remind us of what Alexander was, was, was just asking us to consider, which is that, you know, what does it mean to destroy someone's reputation? 
What does it mean to, to damage their image in the public? Is it like killing them? Is it like killing them? All right, um, before I turn to any of the hands up, I wanna see, uh, I'd love to call in on someone who hasn't spoken yet. Anyone, anyone feel compelled to jump into the mix? I see Yael got hi. I'm so inspired by all of this. There's one thing that it reminds me of when someone's when someone's arrested and accused of a crime mm -hmm. and their name is published. They haven't been tried there. They haven't been convicted. And it reminds me so much of this because when someone's humiliated in public or accused of something, their whole path is tainted. Every everyone knows about it, and wherever they go, this will be a stigma on them. They can't ever undo it. And yeah. and so that's why. And this lishpoch damim reminds me that the person who's doing the accusing is also having their own blood spilled. Mm. It's not just the one who's who's humiliated. The one participating in the act of humiliating another is also losing his or her um, the the goodness within themselves. Mm. Mm. It's it's running out. It says just that they spill blood, and Yael wants to say it's not clear whose blood they spill. Right? They're spilling spilling some of their own life force as well. I like that. But yes. the other point that Yael makes is an important one. The court, the, the court of public opinion, right? You know that that phrase. When someone is basically convicted and tried before we actually have all of the evidence, and then now on the one hand, and I'll repeat this again and again throughout class. On the one hand, it's clear that sometimes we need to call people out in public in order to bring their crimes to light. That is that's true. And on the other hand, it's also true that people are sometimes dragged through the mud in public. Then it turns out that there was something not true about all of the all of the 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 the, the rumors around them but it doesn't matter the way in which like it's already there's already so it's they've been dragged so far down that there's a, kind of a cloud of of toxic energy swirling around them it, the public doesn't just forget oh now we think of you as a good person right and what if some stuff got revealed but there was more, you know and um but there was more there was there was more that was said, and so some of it is true, but not exactly the kinds of things you would want to have in public. I mean, what happens in these cases where we just, we just, we process everything in the public square, and then suddenly it's like, but we don't know, we don't yet know anything, right? Okay, um, Susan Ledgerwood. Hi, Susan. Hi, sorry, <clears throat> I was figuring out my phone. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, <clears throat> so what this reminds me of is kind of to flip the script on this idea a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry, I'm getting over COVID. Um, when we had the sort of summer of racial reckoning in the summer of 2020, there were a lot of people that in my spheres that did a lot of work, um, anti-racism work. And uh, one of the things that came up a lot was calling out versus calling in. So when you're calling out somebody on their racist behavior or you're calling someone in because which is a kinder way to do it because maybe they're not aware that what they've said or done is racist or some sort of comment look whatever it might be um <clears throat> and when you this is kind of a reach but if you extrapolate that out to 
the idea of you being akin to a murder or when you're doing something along those lines. And also to piggyback off the idea of both people are involved are losing something in that transaction. What if you are killing off a piece of that person that was, what if we, this is the ability to use this for good? You know, what if calling someone in, which is the example that you had mentioned previously of like, you have to speak up if someone's not doing something right. Maybe there is a way to reconcile this within our own ethical traditions or teachings, whereas, or sorry, how do I put this? Um, so that it is used for good. So that these things are actually happening, but you're actually killing off a, a personal narrative that is connected to white supremacy. Um, and you're bettering the world, not only yourself, but your person, you're kind of in, improving the world as it is. I don't know. This is a really Just great example stop. and very, very, very helpful language that you're offering us. Because there is there is a real difference, right? Um, we, we, should we speak out when we hear things that are that are terribly offensive, damaging, destructive, demoralizing. Surely that is a that's a case that that requires some form of rebuke. But the distinction that Susan is making that that um, that Susan's community is making is the difference between saying, "Hey, you should know that's not that's not acceptable," and you should you should just know why. Like there's an attempt to. Um, to educate, to correct, to transform, to change. I mean, a lot of this, you know, you can call it calling out and calling in, and it seems like just a very, like a, a very, just a, a, a change of a word, but it's a change of a whole, a whole intentionality, right? Doing something that is an attempt to, to rectify the matter at hand, rather than to be offended by something and then to respond by saying, let's get this person, let's bring them down. And we can think about it in the case of, of, of racist speech or action. We can think about it in all manner of, um, of, of necessary corrective speech. Even then, even when it is necessary, what is the difference between trying to fix a problem or redirect or allow for a person's humanity to be present within, even within the, the crimes that they may have committed rather than almost like as a revenge tactic using the calling out as a way of trying to get that person back to destroy them, right? So that's that's very, very, very helpful language. Okay, with that said, I want now, um, because it, because uh, because we're starting to think about a person's humanity um, and, and what we're doing to a person's humanity and whether we can, we can critique people and still honor their humanity, I wanna bring us to um, the commentator that we have, that we have started following um, one of the great commentaries on Pierre Cavot, the Maharal of Prague, Maharal of Prague. We uh, introduced ourselves to the Maharal last week, um, uh, 16th uh, and early 17th century. Um, great, great Jewish thinker, one of the great Jewish thinkers, um, theologian and philosopher, and just has this um, ability to take to take things and 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 broaden them to make things very 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 big very vast to look for what is the big picture the big message to abstract a little bit but to a point where um, where we're considering the the, the full the, the fullness of the matter and and so he does here I want to take a look at the Maharal's language here um, as he um, comments on um, the whitening of the face of their friend in public he says. 
right? We just said it's like killing them. He says something else. One who whitens the face of their friend in public is causing their divine image to be lost. Abed Selam Elohim, causing their divine image to be lost. For a person is created with a divine image, but Selam Elohim, and there's nothing greater or holier among all the creatures, even the angels on high don't have a Selam Elohim. That's what we have. That's what's uniquely divine and special about us, godly about us. And so one who whitens the face of their friend takes away this elevated part of their humanity, the divine image. And that's why it says one who whitens the face of their friend, because that image, that divinity that we see in others is in the face. I don't know. He means this both kind of loosely, like a face is like an image. And so it's sort of that. But he means it also, I think, literally, like when do you really see the, the God in somebody? When you look in their eyes, when you look in their face, right? It's not their clothes. It's not their body. But there's something about about seeing a human face, that's where we see the divinity within a human being. Okay, so that's very big. That's very big. But what do you think he means, right? That I've been asking, what does the Talmud mean by saying it's like killing someone? What does the Maharal mean when he chooses very different language and says, when you shame someone in public, you strip them of their divinity. You take away that, that godly thing in them. And again, here we are considering ways in which we sometimes do need to call people out in public. So what does it mean to say sometimes you do this and it's, it's like it's like you took away everything that was divine about them. Um, Bobby, what do you think of that? Can you, can you unmute for us? Unmute for us. Perfect. Oh, no, still not. I'm, I'm gonna ask you to unmute. Oh, there okay. You there you go, Sorry. we hear you. Sorry. I'm gonna change the subject just very, very slightly. I know someone who was publicly humiliated on one of these websites where you post about somebody and it wasn't really true. And they had this experience of their life force draining from them. What do you tell them Jewishly, godly? to save their, not to save their soul, their soul is saved, but so that they'll feel better about it. I know this is changing the subject and I'm sorry. No, very much, on, very much on, 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 on our subject, right? Like what happens to, to that person who is they called- They felt just, just like you described, the, the face whitening for a few years mm -hmm. because it stays on the internet and you can't get it off, and the internet laws allow them to keep it there, and et cetera. <laughs> right, the, 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 this, pub, this new public square, the, the internet, is, right, is, is like, it, it forces us to, to always consider how permanent everything is. So that like cool. always on, shoot, we have this concept, of, what do we say to them Jewishly? You know, there's a tshuva process and there, but like not if it's just out there for, it never goes away, right? Okay, so again, just, just as we come to a close here, any thoughts on what it means to say that, that, that publicly shaming someone is stripping them of their, of their divinity, of their godliness, you know? What, 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 how, why do you think that is? What, is it, what does that mean? What does that mean? Okay, I'm gonna it's turn stripping it them of their... You want to finish that thought, Bobby? 
it's stripping them of their confidence with their community. Mm. They feel like people, they're, they're publicly shamed. Mm. So okay. It's... All right, Regina, what, what do you think? <clears throat> well, one thing that came to mind, it's stripping them of their potential to be good. That's what I'm thinking. It's the potential because maybe they're not there now. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I love that. I love that because there we. I just like I just I just brought up this this idea of chuva, right? Of of like return. What is the return towards? The return is towards hopefully some greater self. That part of us can that can aspire to be better. That's also part of the distinctly human feature that we that we think of as divine and what what it means to publicly shame someone is is in this case is to take them down the maharal says this is the side of us that's divine the other side of us is just beastly it's just to say you're just a beast you're just a, you're nothing you're a monster you're you're irredeemable you're irredeemable you have no divine potential you cannot grow back right um did i see ben poor just out there he did just uh just quickly, I was thinking along the lines of what some other people have said this feels like maybe a guide to when we do have to do this sort of rebuke for for a real person who who has done harm or something or has hurt us like to hold on to that image of the divine or really be able to find something about them that feels redeemable or at least potential for redeemable as we're as we're calling someone in or out in those ways I love that 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 brilliant brilliant final final comment there because that's so that's so important. Obviously, we can't wrap everything up, but we've been conscious this whole time of of a certain tension where we don't we're going to need to. The Torah even mandates that sometimes we take people to task. We're not silencing all public commentary or discourse, but and and you know we certainly are being encouraged to keep things in the private sphere as much as possible. But even in those cases where a certain kind of exchange has to be public, can we enter it into it with that kind of intentionality that I don't wanna kill this person with my words. I don't wanna, this person is, 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 a, is, a, is, a, is a creature of God, is, in, is imprinted with divinity. I don't wanna take that away from them. Can I do this in a way that doesn't strip them of everything that is, that is that is noble about them, and nevertheless say the words that I need to say. That's a, that's 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 a good. It isn't. This is a mandate to be careful and to be um, to be constrained in our in our tendency to relish in public shaming. But it is also it is also a, a way of thinking about those moments where we do need to call people in, as Susan said. And to think about what it means to, to speak to someone when they need to be spoken to, but not in a way that is celebrates their downfall, celebrates their disgrace, right? Uh, I have one more minute and I'm gonna take one last thought from Lori Hall. Well, public shaming doesn't really work in order to curtail people's actions. Um, all it does is really um, turn people inwards and shut them down um, and, and makes them hide. So the idea that you're going to get people to change their actions by shaming them, it, it really backfires. And it, it just means that people, um, you know, just their self-esteem suffers and they, they go underground. They go they, you know, keep everything a secret instead. Yeah, thanks so much for that, Lori. That's also a very important on this same 
theme of well, how do we how do we engage in ethical discourse? Uh, there's a practical matter here too, which is, as Laurie says, it just, it also doesn't work. When you do this kind of public shaming, nobody says, oh, wow, thanks for pointing that out. I'm going to change my behavior. They're wounded. They're wounded. They're humiliated. And they either go hiding or they respond with, with, with anger and they, in, they entrench in their positions and uh, entrenching in their positions. I mean, isn't, isn't that the state of affairs that we find ourselves in in this in this um, in this cultural moment, um, speaking of putting uh, of, of putting a person um, just it, putting them out, I want to give you one last image here. The Maharal is great with images, and also the great thing about the Maharal is he's written on almost everything. So I not only did the Maharal comment on the the teaching that we've been studying tonight from Pirkei Avot, but he also has a commentary on the Talmud. On the narrative sections of the Talmud, and he just uses different language here. And I, I wanted, I wanted to leave you with this language because it's also an image to take with us, as Ben is encouraging us to do. Take some of this thinking with us. What does it mean that I might kill someone with my speech? What does it mean that I might rob them of their divinity with my speech? And one final image for you, the Maharal says. But when it says that one who whitens the face of their friend is as if they have spilled blood. That is because one who whitens the face of their friend is putting out the light in the face, which is the essence of the person, like blowing out a candle, right? Just like, just extinguishing a person, just putting them out, right? So let's be careful. Let's just be careful with our speech. Our tradition wants us again, warns us again and again and again to be so careful with our speech. And it doesn't mean not speaking. We are a tradition of words. Right. And there is mandated speech, but let's be careful, even when we need to speak to safeguard that divine image, that divine light. That is that is what is beautiful about every single person, every single person who was created in the image of God. OK, thanks, everybody. Great discussion. I'll see you next week. Hi, it's Rabbi Brous again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe and please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you maybe even in person sometime soon.